Welcome everyone to JCal's Journeys. Uh, discover the beating heart of Southeast Queens' vibrant, creative community as the Jamaica Center for Arts and Learning proudly present this limited episode podcast series exploring arts and culture in Queens. Hosted by your favorite civic engagement and social impact strategist and your favorite Queens girl, Tanisha Morrison, that's me. Uh, this series <laughs> takes listeners on an enriching journey to uncover the stories, inspirations, and cultural influences that define some of Queens' most celebrated creatives. Brenda Jones is the curator for Jamaica Center for Arts and Learning's live play series, Meet the Playwright, which concentrates on the development of local and early career playwrights from New York City. Brenda, welcome. Thank you very much. I appreciate this. Of course. So Brenda, please tell us about yourself. What has brought you to Queens? Um, everything. <laughs> uh, I am by birth and upbringing a Colorado chick. Uh, Denver is my home. Uh, but I ran away from Denver for theater uh, when I was in my 20s just yesterday. Um, and I found New York to be fascinating. There is so much in New York. You just kind of go and just like, we'll do this. No, we'll do this. We'll meet these people, those languages. There's such a amalgamation of everything that's in the country and halfway in the world, mm -hmm. all in one city. And so after I got finished with school, I stayed. So I was attending American Academy of Dramatic Arts. Um, and when I was finished with that, then it became, okay, I'm going to go out there and audition and take the world by storm. And uh, although I love theater, clearly I'm back at it. it. It was still a matter of, you know, I came, it conquered, let's move on. Um, and so I went into advertising and marketing, uh, working for Channel 11 WPIX TV for uh, a decade. Oh my God, did I, can I say that? Mm -hmm. uh, when you're working in media sales, you're having to pitch your particular medium, be it TV or radio or a magazine or whatever, to a potential client. If that's not acting, I don't know what is. It wasn't that far off for me. And so I really, really enjoy doing that. But life progresses and you kind of, you become a, a patron of the theater. You go to the theater and you see the different plays on Broadway and off-Broadway and off-off-Broadway and et cetera. But I, I didn't miss it at all. Uh, time progresses. I become older. And I walked away from media. I actually moved away from New York. I went back to Colorado. And here I am again, back in New York. <laughs> That's um, amazing. I don't, I don't think um, a lot of people would correlate what you're doing in media and advertising as acting, uh, though it, it is, right? And though it has those parts, <laughs> what, what was the thing that led you back um, I heard you just talk about going to theaters. Like, what was the thing that led you back to the theater world um, to make this type of impact you're making? Oddly enough, it it didn't have anything initially to do with theater at all. Um, is my brother's an author, my younger brother. And so he goes, you need to help me with this book. And I said, yeah, okay, whatever. Um, so I helped him edit his book. And then it was a matter of getting it out there and doing self-publishing and then doing the readings and where you're going to do readings at. And... In its own way, I wound up talking to the same people in theater. And that's actually where I actually discovered, per se, uh, Jamaica Performing Arts Center and Jamaica Center for Arts and Learning, because they're all one, because we had set up readings for, I can't believe life does certain things that it should have been like a prelude for what I was going to do right now. 
we started reaching out to other uh, new authors, authors who were doing the self-publishing, because if you're not Barnes & Noble, what do you do? So we start doing readings over at JPAC. Mm. We would do it, I think it was called Second Second Saturdays, the second Saturday of every month, we do a reading. So it's maybe about 35, 40 people. We'd have two or three different authors. They'd talk to the people. They'd sell other books. This is what we did, blah, blah, blah. And so I said, you know what? It's time for me to hit Colorado. And then I left it. And then COVID hit maybe two months later and shut down New York. And then, of course, the rest of the country and then the rest of the world. But it was really starting with my brother's book and meeting the people and, and saying, okay, we're going to do a bookstore. We're going to do a theater. We're going to do a this, doing that. My brother started doing background which is extra for everybody else, but you're doing background in TV shows of which there are quite a few that are shot in New York. Well, I studied theater and he did not. So I'm kind of coaching him at home. Do this. This is the script. Look for this, you know, look for your character. And so I was working with him and we went down to theater of the new city, uh, which is downtown Manhattan over on the east side. Uh, and I start getting involved with some of their productions and doing little little small original works again. I, I love it. I if you can do Hello Dolly, that's wonderful. But that's that's not where I, I live. I live in let's break this new guy. Let's new, break out this new woman. Let's break out this new play. This whole it's fantastic. It's like having your hands in the middle of chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like starting with a book. I wound up back in theater. So there's logic in there somewhere. I just, when you find it, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Become an official JCal member for just $100 a year for free creative workshops, seminars, and enrichment opportunities year round. Members also get 20% discounted access to our full lineup of classes and workshops. Through key partnerships, JCal is also able to offer members deeply discounted parking passes on Jamaica Avenue and Broadway tickets starting at just $20. What are you waiting for? Head to jcal.org and become a member today. I think that's so beautiful for two reasons. So the first one is because COVID really birthed such a new, just emerging space that I love to call, you know, a new age renaissance because it already existed. But what COVID did was bring out a whole other side of people um, I have this phrase sometimes when I talk, um, you know, to young people or to in, in professional development rooms and the icebreaker always is, uh, what do you do? But OK, then also what makes you money? Because those two <laughs> things sometimes are just completely different. Um, and your midnight playwright, right? They might, you know, what, what makes them money is that, you know, they they might work in HR. But what they do is right place. Um, and uh, we're grateful for people like you who are, you know, um, a supporting hand and being the difference between that play going in a box um, and then also being seen, um, which makes me want to ask you, you know, what what role does community and collaboration play in your approach to theater? You know, how does it impact your work with playwrights and actors? It's for me, it, it still comes down to you have your nine to five fulfilling whatever your position is, you know, whatever you're doing to make your money. But as a community theater and, and working a collaborative effort like Meet the Playwright, we have to not sit upon our, our, we're coming down from the theater, you know, cloud in the sky to bestow something upon you. That's not it. It is a collaborative effort. How can I ask someone who could tell me what's wrong with my resume in five minutes because they're HR? 
and they're collaborating collaborating with me as I'm trying to get a job for my nine to five. I can't collaborate them collaborate with them on theater. It, how does the community see itself if it doesn't see itself in what's in the community? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's almost like well, you know, I I live in a community where all I could find are purple clothes. I don't wear purple. Nothing personal, but I don't wear purple. So now what do I do? So I'm looking for my community to provide what I need, but the community is saying, no, I can't. If they're looking for for theater, if they're looking for arts, if they're looking for cultural activities, and we're just giving them Captain Kangaroo, then we're not doing our jobs. Mm-hmm. To me, it, it's very much hearing what the community wants and them having a stake in it. Because for one of the plays we had done in the last season, someone said, I know her, she lives around the block from me. And I remember when, so I'm bringing all my friends. And sure enough, because that was for the previous month and she knew the, the playwright for the next month, she showed up with 10 women. Wow. Impact. It's only a 99 seat theater. It's like, okay, you know what? I'm going to stick with your, I'm going to make sure I, you know everybody. But they saw someone that they knew. They saw someone that used to do it when they were a kid. I'm going to bring my cousin. I'm bringing my husband because he used to work with so-and-so way back when. It's even when when you were doing the things with uh, Vanel, uh, the thing that I sub for you for, et cetera. People are going, I worked with him. Well, it's really great. We're going to do such and such and so and so in the aviation department, blah, 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 because I remember and it's about my community. Yes. So collaborative collaboration Absolution. This is a, a, how can I put it? It's a community theater. I'm not trying to take on the James Earl Jones theater, no relation, but (laughs) that's not our job. Our job is community theater and having the community invest and be part of what we do and vice versa. I think that's just amazing. I was going to ask you about a success story, but I think that was the perfect um, segue <laughs> to that because success is representation. You know, success is support. Um, success is um, putting early playwrights who would have never got the chance on, on a stage, and um, that is that 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 all is success. Um, what what are some of the unique challenges and opportunities uh, you've encountered in directing and producing? You know, new original pieces in. Uh, community spaces. I know that um, from your bio, uh, you've worked with the Queen Secret Theater and uh, spaces like the theater just for New York City. Um, the challenge for me sometimes is well, all the time, every month, because we do it four months, five months, six months, depending on how the schedule is set up by JCal. But every month you have a new playwright. So every month you have a new cast. You have a new play and hijinks ensue because every playwright, some of the playwrights direct themselves, not a problem. Some playwrights have said, Brenda, could you help me with this? Or could you help me consult on this? So, because I'm not really sure as to where I wanted to go. Sure, I could do that. Uh, there are egos involved. There are lack of egos involved. And so every month for me is like, okay, where are we starting this month? Mm-hmm. Um, some playwrights have a vision of next step Broadway. Well, that's great, but no, babe. Let's let's make sure we're right here, right now. Um, you have fantastic actors because this is New York. Let's be for real. And so you have actors who are waiting to jump on it. 
and sometimes the playwrights aren't ready. Or sometimes the playwrights are ready and the actors are like, eh. So every month represents a whole new game. Even though it's hypothetically playing baseball every month, but there's a new team every month. So you have to adjust to what you're being given every month. Hmm. Um, and that's that's really it more so than anything else. It, it's you have to ascertain the development of of their knowledge within theater. So again, if if I have someone who is the male person, we don't want to be sexist, male person, male person as in postal male, may have absolutely no idea. Stage right, stage left. What do you mean upstage? Is, is that upstage back or upstage front? So we have to take it from a different level. Right. So it, it's it, it's just very much collaborating and finding out where they're at so I could best help them with what they need. I've, I've dealt with a an actor who has loved it, and he's also a playwright. He writes his stuff. He directs his stuff. He knows exactly what he wants. So it's just a matter of, okay, what time you'll be here? We'll make sure the theater's open. When you're leaving, I'll be there to lock the door because he really doesn't need me per se. Mm -hmm. And that's okay because that's also part of collaborating is knowing how to get out the way. That is a fact. <laughs> I hope I hope yeah. somebody heard that. <laughs> yeah, uh, she didn't pay me to say that, I swear. <laughs> I, I think that is just uh, very uniquely important to anyone's personal and professional growth. Um, in your view, how does art, uh, particularly theater, contribute to the cultural and artistic vibrancy of communities like Jamaica, Queens? Oh, that's a big one. Mm -hmm. um, because New York overall is what I said at the very beginning, is a whole mishmash of everybody, everything, all the time. It's the, when I first got here, it was like 24-7. I'd never been in a city that's open 24 seven and New York is. In Jamaica, Queens specifically, it is one of the most, depending on who you're talking to, it is the most diverse borough of New York City. So there's something like 130 different languages spoken in this, it just in this borough. And in Jamaica, Queens, it ha okay, first of all, who, people who are not listening, who live in Queens, it has nothing to do with the island of Jamaica. Let's get that out of the way. Um, but you start looking at the people who have moved in and moved on, moved in, moved out. Moved, you know, the people who have come, there's like a, a, a constant flow of people. There was a play that we did uh, that was written by a, a Bangladeshi couple based on uh, the Jamaica Heights. No, Jackson Heights part of, of Queens, which is heavily East Indian, Bangla, et cetera. And it talked about immigration. And I was thinking, I hope this works because they do use Bangla, the, the language in the play. At the end of the play, half the audience is Bangla, which makes sense because she was coming to support something about you, but the other half wasn't. And they were all just fascinated. And one woman got up and says, I almost opened tears because it's about immigration in the 70s and the 80s and what the couple had been through, not them specifically, but the play. And a lot of people understood that. So I had Jamaicans in that audience. I had Americans in the audience. I had Mexicans, in the audience. but they all understood. So it became universal. And that's what I found amazing is that it was the story. It wasn't what it was spoken in. There's some parts that I don't speak Bangla, go finish, figure it, but it made sense because I understood what they went through. And so they've, been to our theater twice 
with three different ways because people understood what the message was. Because Jamaica Queens is so full of who's here next, as well as the residual of who just left, it's always a churn. It's always a churn. It's for me, because I grew up in Colorado, I was very used to Mexican food. Taco Bell does not qualify. Nothing personal Taco Bell, but that's chain food. But now there's an influx of Mexican immigrants into New York, which I didn't expect. Now you actually find Mexican food that I know, like real Mexican food. Mm -hmm. uh, when I first moved here, I had no idea there was a West Indian cuisine. Because when you're landlocked in the middle of Colorado, in the middle of the country, literally, there's very few West Indians. So knowing what a roti is, what, a who? For me, it looked like a, a huge burrito <laughs> because my scent, my scent was Mexican food. Yes. So how do you not get that? You know? <laughs> so to me, being in Jamaica, Queens, especially is like, it is delightful to see that the mishmash of the cultures. So you listen to, <laughs> I was reading a menu for a, a restaurant whose name I will leave out. They were speaking of soul food, which everybody associates with African-American Southern food as soul food. Mm -hmm. And they were speaking of, was it crab? I'm thinking, okay. But you're also talking about stewed chicken. And I thought, not exactly. Chicken stew is American. Stewed chicken is West Indian. Mm -hmm. And it is a completely different thing. That's true. And so the, the more I looked at the menu, it was clearly they were West Indian soul food. It's like, okay, we need to write them and say, take out soul food because that's not right. But again, in Jamaica, Queens, yes, it is. It's so a fusion. It, it, it's absolutely fusion. It's you always know, it's, fusion here. Always. And so you kind of get used to it. So you go to a, a party and I'm looking for American soul music, which has a bunch of calypso in the background. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. But you get used to that. It's when I actually go back to Colorado, if I'm in California, whatever, it's not there, and I I almost miss it now because now I've, I've accepted that I've accepted that fusion of America as the norm. Today we have with us a Queen's Bread and Base Curator, Visual Artist and Educator, Seema Shakti. Seema, welcome. Thank you so much, Tanisha, uh, for having me on the podcast. I look forward to chatting and exploring a little bit more about my work with you. Awesome. Let's jump right in. Uh, can you tell us more about your journey as an artist and the specific themes you explore in your work, especially the intersection of women, nature, and spirituality? Yes. Um, so I've always identified as a creative person since childhood. Um, I've always been attracted to creating art and making things and just like creating in general as a whole. And um, it really wasn't until after I graduated college that I took some time to myself to really build um, my art practice. Uh, so it was only then in my early 20s that I start to really formally identify as a visual artist. Um, so I am self-taught and it is something that, you know, I've sort of intuitively connected to and, and explored. Um, so in terms of my themes, 
I identify as a woman of color and, you know, that's the subject I know best. And so that is, I, I explore my identity um, through my work and uplift my identity through my work. So you'll see there's a lot of nature um, kind of in my work and, and just naturally a part of my work. And I think there's just so much deep connection between women and nature and this like alignment and attunement and and we are nature you know we really are nature we experience cycles just like nature does um, we experience rebirth and, and birth throughout our lifetimes so so for me they're so interconnected you can't really remove um like your identity as a woman from nature you're just i think the two kind of have such a deep-seated um relationship in tandem with one another. And my work is a spiritual practice. I consider the act of creating art to be a meditation. It is for me, it brings me into this really beautiful and sacred space. And I feel so, um, so much more intuitive in, in that time that I take to create art. Um, it's, it's my quiet space. So, so I think I explore the theme, but it is the, medium through which I create as well. I think that's beautiful, especially um, understanding those and seeing those intersections as a woman of color. Um, and also <laughs> shout out to you for being self-taught. I think that is so amazing. Sometimes when we uh, find out we have gifts, we tend to put them to the wayside because, you know, we're we're not as eager, you know, without somebody who's training and coaching and teaching us um, how to explore them. So I just want to make sure that we amplify that uh, for everyone listening that, you know, you can learn um, on your own and, and be as amazing and um, successful as you. So thank you for that. Um, your Indo-Caribbean and South Asian heritage also play a significant role in influencing your art. Um, how does those cultural groups then also, you know, help shape your artistic expression um, and the narratives that you convey? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think the loudest expression of my, my heritage is the vibrant colors that I use. I use very vibrant colors. And I think that's one of the most noticeable aspects of, of my culture. Um, my mom is from Guyana. Uh, her ancestors migrated there during the British colonial era as indentured servants in, in the 1800s. Um, my father is from Pakistan. And you know, like my ancestors lie within the Indian subcontinent and have moved to various places through migration over a long period of time. Um, so I think one of the things that you'll notice about the culture of the Indian subcontinent is it's a very colorful and very vibrant culture, um, very visual culture. Um, there's so many depictions. Um, some examples are even Pakistani truck art. You'll notice the trucks are very, very ornate. Um, very colorful, lots of illustrations and decor. Um, there's like carnival and other celebrations in Guyana. That's, you know, a melting pot um, that I think also influences um, that part of my identity. Uh, so, so in many ways, I communicate that through color, through texture, through detailing of the designs. I'm really big on detailing. I love that. Um, my brushstrokes are also wavy. It's just the way that I... Um, convey the energy of the divine feminine. On another level, it also represents the journeys of my ancestors. So it represents um, the migration of, for example, my maternal side, my mom's side from Guyana, they migrated from India in 
the late 1800s. So that was like a months long ship journey on what they called Kalapani, um, which translates to black water um, to from India to Guyana. That was like a three month journey at least. And and so like the waves in, in many ways represent migration and, and the journeys that my ancestors took and on both sides. But I think one way that it's very like visible is just like water as, as a medium through which they, they moved and created new lives. That is so beautiful. And I just really love the ode to who you are and continuing the journey and to figure out exactly where you're from um, and where you're going. It's really, really beautiful. Thank you for that. Um, you've exhibited your work in both New York City and Philadelphia. Could you share some of the highlights of those ex- exhibitions and the audience's response to your art? Yeah, thank you um, for uplifting that. I So Philly is specific, but it makes sense when I when I share a little bit more about Philly. I, um, when I was getting my master's degree, I was placed at the school district of Philadelphia um, for my mentorship experience. It was a nine, nine month long experience. And um, one of my colleagues was also an artist. And when once she found out that I was an artist, she invited me to apply for their monthly exhibit they do. Um, so that was a really beautiful experience. I exhibited at the school district's headquarters, um, which is like the Philly equivalent to the New York City Department of Education. And um, it was just really nice to be able to connect with people that I worked with through my artist identity, which which they didn't get to see on a day to day. And it was nice to be able to engage. I, I love live engagement of um, about art, about my art, and and just like hearing about the way it resonates with people because it'll resonate and and tap into someone's experience quite differently from person to person um, because they're bringing their lived experiences into that moment um, of observing art and and experiencing art. Um, Similar with my New York City um, group exhibition experiences, it was just really nice. I had one more recently in the spring of this year and it was just really nice being able to, to, to one, connect with other artists but on another level, connect with people who may not identify as artists or creative people. Um, so just being in that space, that really beautiful space of connection and um, meaning making, you know, with one another. That's so beautiful. Um, something that I read in your bio is that you were, a, well, are a community organizer. So I'm really interested to know about that background in community organizing and youth development um, and how has like that experience in the nonprofit sector informed your approach to curating and supporting local artists? Yes, I my roots are in community organizing um, back in my early 20s, and I'm, I'm still in the nonprofit sector and now work um, in the youth development space, um, serving youth from Queens, from all over the city, but we're based in Queens. Um, so it feels very much aligned to, to also be supporting um, and uplifting local artists in the borough um, and the greater city. So I think my experience in the nonprofit sector has always been community centered, has always been about community um, and working through um, a lens through which we're creating and designing spaces and experiences for them, with them, um, and to, to give them the, the tools they need to continue to thrive. Because they're already thriving in different ways, but how do you build and amplify that um, and start to like magnetize that further. And so working with youth, I'm always thinking about what they need in terms of like the toolkit to build their power, 
um, so that once they're done with programming and once, you know, they're in college and after, they are fully equipped to, to navigate life's challenges, to navigate the ups and downs, the ebbs and the flows. So I think curating comes as an extension of that work naturally. It's just about amplifying local artists and giving them a platform to allow them to really continue thriving through their art practice, but also having a physical and tangible space and experience to be in dialogue with one another, with other artists, with local institutions like JCal, um, and then with the general public in a very accessible way. Get into the arts at Jamaica Center for Arts and Learning. Our mission is devoted to offering quality visual performing and literary arts and to providing accessible education programs to encourage participation in the arts. We present free events and festivals ranging from film to dance, theater, music, and more. On the visual artist side, we mount exhibitions, artist talks, and initiatives in our two galleries. Whether you are into classes, workshops, exhibitions, or events, there is something for you at JCal. Learn more at jcal.org. Um, I'm interested to know, um, what do you feel like is institutions like JCal's impact for artists um, in the world, especially um, our borough? Yeah, I think there's amazing institutions that exist within our borough. Um, I don't know if you want me to name them, a couple. Oh, yeah, I don't sure. want to leave out, but, you know, some that I know, um, and I, like there's so many others, I don't want to leave them out. So these are some among others. You know, there's Cal obviously, that does so much for um, all creatives. There's Flushing Town Hall um, that does a lot of stuff um, around um like putting out grants too for artists, um, as well as creating space for group exhibitions, solo ex exhibitions, or for artists just to meet and connect. Um, and then there's Culture Lab and in, in um, Long Island City. And these are like I tried to like have like you know one institution in each area. There's a quite a few more, and there's so many artists collectible. Well, there's a growing number of artist collectives. I hope that that, that number grows um, throughout the borough and just different groups that exist virtually um, and in person that, that are there for, for artists. But I think um, your initial question was around the purpose of these. Yeah, the, the impact. Yeah. yeah. It allows artists, I've participated in, in or like connected with multiple spaces. And what I've gotten from it as an artist, which can reflect the impact is um, some like a sense of um, sort of of information sharing and feeling like um, a sense of wholeness that I like things that I'm, I might not have noticed was a gap in my practice or, or like things that I, I should be doing that I wasn't doing. I, I found out through like information sessions um, that was hosted that were hosted or through meeting another artist who is doing something that they recommend. So like it's, it's connection, it's networking for one, it's the information sharing through like different workshops, for example, um, some of these institutions do workshops for artists, um, do workshops on applying for grants, for example, um, on like entrepreneurship as an artist and what that looks like, but also like taking classes, taking classes to lean into a new discipline. Um, I did a like an entrepreneurship series at Flushing Town Hall. I've also done, um, taken a class at JCal on just like clay, um, hand building, um, ceramics and, 
And it allows you to deepen, like try out and deepen into your practice through trying out different disciplines for one. Um, but then these entrepreneurship series like allow you a space to just say you don't know certain things and just lean into it and um, get information from others, but also give information for others. So it, this reflects a lot of what I was saying earlier. Um, they kind of serve as hubs. And then Culture Lab, I know, does is very open and receptive to um, group exhibits um, and, you know, uplifting local artists. So I think, you know, and there's so many more. I'm leaving out, I, I know I'm leaving out others and I don't, I, I definitely want, um, there needs to be, I wish there was like a one, like, stop, like, Queen's, um, resource hub online where like you can just see what's going on in all of Queens maybe it does exist but I haven't found one where like you get to see all of it at once and I think um the impact is really um giving art empowering artists and giving them um the toolkit they need to really amplify their work um to build their the administrative side of being an artist which you don't yes. really think about the accounting side but also the the side where you're like how do I continue to strengthen my work, um, my body of work? What what are the areas that I need to work on a little bit more to, well, like maybe you're working on a new series, like where can I show this series of work? So I think it, it gives you access to like even more resources, being in these hubs and being a part of these hubs. Okay. Let me know if you need more clarification. <laughs> no, no, no. I think you, hit, you, you, you answered the question. Um, and I think it's just important for people to understand that um, from even what I'm hearing you're, you're saying, you know, being an artist is one thing, but there's so many other parts of building up what, you know, your business, your brand, you know, what you do, how you do it, uh, your support and all those things. And institutions like JCal kind of, you know, help um, empower you in that way and and broaden the scope to uh, build that foundational space you need to become even a better artist and better professional, better business person, better entrepreneur um, and all those things in the middle. So you definitely answered the question. Awesome. Okay. So what projects or exhibitions can we look forward to from you in the near future? Um, and how can the audience that's listening in engage with your work and contributions uh, to the Queens art scene? So I've been so busy um, over the past year, a little over a year um, with multiple things. And I'm really excited to be taking a little bit of time to work on a new series of work. Um, it's actually in theme with the Ancestral Nourishment exhibit. Um, so Ancestral Nourishment is, is a theme I'm exploring. And and I just, it's been a while since I created, to be honest, it's hard. And I think quite transparently, you're not always, transparently, you're not always able to create um, every day. And so I think it's it's been hard balancing multiple amazing things I've been doing, but it's it's hard. It's it's not always easy, and so I'm going to take a little bit of time during the winter season um, to to one hibernate a little bit, uh, but to to use that time to to create, maybe to sketch, maybe not create, create, but like begin to to plant the seeds of of this series of work, which I'm very excited about. Um, I am also a part of a creative cohort and we'll be leaning into stuff around that. And I can share more about what that looks like um, through social media because it's still being defined. So I won't share too much about that yet. Um, still being defined. I'll lean into that more early next year, um, which is coming up really fast. And then 
my newsletter, I have made a commitment to send out at least one newsletter a month. It has been difficult. I didn't send one out for over a year um, at one point, but since I think it was September, I was like, I'm going to send out one newsletter a month. And then social media, my Instagram at Seema Shakti is one way to just keep in the loop or connected with things I'm doing. Sometimes projects do pop up. Right now, I'm really hoping to lean into my own personal practice for a bit and just create. So I'll share updates on that. Um, I love sharing updates on my newsletter on things that ways that the that people can engage with my art through different exhibits or, or public arts projects or whatever I'm doing, but also updates on how I'm doing and like maybe a little sneak peek or so of, of the work I'm working on. I love that. And also something I heard in there that I just want to make sure I amplify is rest. Okay. I think that's just really, really important. I don't think we, any of us can show up as creatives, as corporate, as professionals, as moms, as dads, as cousins, uh, without some rest. So I think your hibernation is is necessary. I think you deserve it. So if you didn't hear it anywhere else, you're hearing it here um, to make sure that you're helping those creative juices flow. Um, so I just want to, on behalf of Cal, say thank you so much for lending us your time and giving all these amazing gems to the people of Queens. And we look forward to more from you, Seema. Thank you so much, Nisha. It was so nice to connect with you and to be in community with you today. Really, really appreciate your time and just having the space to talk. Oh, you too. Talk to you soon. Take care. Bye. Bye. If you're looking for an affordable, accessible way to grow as an artist, check out JCal Arts classes. JCal's Cornerstone year-round programs offer high-quality visual and performing art classes and workshops for youth, adults, families, and seniors. Classes include piano, painting, cartooning, animation, fashion design, ceramics, acting, and much more. Learn more about our classes at jcal.org.